Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But, it is, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and returned to his place, he said to him, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the f- one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we seek you and we come before you desiring and hungry for your word. We seek to have your guidance. We seek to know and feel your love for us. Show us your son. Show us the love that he has sent, that he has um, showed us and the example that he has given us. Help us to love those in the world. Empower us through the power of your spirit to go out and to care and to serve all those around us. Amen. 
Please be seated. Foot washing. Is there any more awkward a Christian activity? I mean, is there really? Could anything be more awkward than washing one another's feet? Has, nobody ever goes to a foot washing ceremony and is like, yes, I'm so excited. My, my bunions will be bared before all. Everyone will smell my stinky feet. Oh, please wash my feet. Please do in front of everybody. My feet are never flip-flop ready. And I haven't had a mini, mani petty ever. But about 25 years ago, as Eric talked about missions, I was on a missions trip to Jamaica. And we were serving locals there in a small town called Russia. And it was hot. It was that part of Jamaica where when you're taking a shower, the part of you that is getting wet is clean. Everything else is sweating. And we had been out all day playing soccer with locals in our bare feet and had been running around. And you know what's coming. That night, the two pastors of the trip said, let's have a foot washing ceremony. And I was like, yes, I haven't showered in three days. This is great. <laughs> but I was new to the group. I was a new believer. And I thought I could just hide in the back. I thought I could just sit and nobody would ever hear from me. Nobody would ever call on me. Nobody would ever ask me to wash somebody else's feet. And that I would get away with it. Well, one of the, the more popular people, you know, not me, uh, got up and said, first thing, Derek, I want to wash your feet. And I was, oh, you know, why? Why me? But she got up and she desired to wash my feet. She desired to share or to serve me. And here my feet were awful. My feet were dirty. But she cleansed them in front of everybody, and I was served. And despite the suave person you see before you now, I was no Zach Morris back then. What made the situation really awkward was that I was a teenage boy and this was a teenage girl, and I smelled like a dirty teenage boy. Um, but at the heart of this girl's, this girl's moment, at the heart of this awkward moment, was a disciple desiring to serve someone else through making herself low and taking on someone else's dirt to serve someone she barely knew. Um, let's, let's take a flight home from Jamaica. Let's come back here to New Jersey and ground ourselves in the present moment. Two weeks from now is Easter and we're smack dab in the middle of our Lenten series on the practices of presence. Our Jamaica team uh, desired to serve the people we traveled to see. We desired to love them. We desired to care for them. And in our sermon text, we see that Jesus also desired to serve his disciples. The practice of presence that I'll be highlighting this morning is service. And this is one that Jesus exemplified and commanded his ancient and present-day disciples to follow. Our text today is from a section in the Gospel of John. Uh, Eric mentioned Monday, Monday, Thursday, which is also another weird Christian term. It is the term before Good Friday. I mean, it's the Thursday before Good Friday. And our text today from John 13 starts, 
Jesus' dialogue. Jesus has dinner with his disciples and he starts that dialogue with them. He lives it by example in foot washing and then he speaks to them about love, the love he has for them through words and teaches them. And that's chapters 14, 15, and 16. And then in chapter 17, he prays a heartfelt prayer for them. And as we do have two weeks before Christmas, I challenge you, take up these chapters in John. Take, you know, it's five chapters. Read through 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And try to finish by Thursday. See if it's something you can do. See what the heart of what happened right before the Good Friday um, time happened. But Jesus, in these last chapters of John, demonstrated what, sermon, what service looks like to his disciples. In the same way, my new friend on the Jamaican missions trip, through a foot-washing ceremony, demonstrated service within her community. And before you start untying your shoes, what does this awkward moment have to do with us today? From here, we will speak in three parts. We will talk about Christ's model of service We'll talk about our motivation towards service. We'll talk about the modality of service. So we'll talk about Christ's model of service. Number two, we'll talk about, talk about our motivation towards service. And finally, we'll talk about the modality of service or how it plays out in our daily lives. My friend on that missions trip to Jamaica was following the model that Jesus set before us here in John 13. In Jesus' day, Having someone wash your feet when you came into the house was an everyday occurrence, and it was also the sign of a good host. Roads were dirty, and people wore open-toed shoes, so their feet were nasty. When someone was welcomed into a house, it was customary for an attendant to watch the guest's feet. However, it was not customary for someone or anyone of importance to wash someone else's foot. Even disciples, as in Jesus' disciples, knew that it was beneath their stature to wash other people's feet. So they didn't offer to do it that night. So when Jesus puts himself into a posture to serve, it was a shock to his disciples and a reversal of the social norms. The author of this gospel takes his time to communicate this process and the finer details of the scene. And it's important to look at them just like when you're watching a movie, um, a few years ago I was watching the, the Bourne movies in the theater, obviously many years ago, probably like more like 15 or 20 years ago. Um, but the second Bourne movie was characteristic of this, where on one side of the screen they would put the protagonist on this side and then in the very next shot the protagonist would be over here and it would be this ping-ponging back and forth with your eyes. And the, the whole point of it was to cause an internal stress in your eyes so that you wouldn't even know what was going on and you would start to feel the stress that the main character was feeling as they're in this chase scene or as they're being hunted. Well, directors use things like that to slow us down or to engage us or to have a step in to what is going on in the passage. And John does something similar here where he gives us a lot of detail of what is going on in the passage in order that we may step in and we may actually hear uh, what he wants us to know about this posture of Jesus. Let's look at these details. Starting in verse 3, Jesus, you know, verse 4, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, 
tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Wouldn't it just been easier if John said, yeah, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, let's move on. But he, but he doesn't do that. John wants us to see the movement here. He wants us to see the transformation of Jesus from superior to, sub, to subservient, from Lord and teacher into a mere foot washer. He laid aside what was on him and took up the clothes and instruments of one who serves. And then he took on the dirt of the, the disciples themselves. Jesus is our model for service. It is important to point out that while all this was going on, Jesus did not deny who he was. Jesus had in mind, verse 3, that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Aware of the soon-to-be-late uh, fate on the cross and that he was going back to God, Jesus models for us how we should love one another to the very end. And this happens by lessening ourselves and serving others. Again, in verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. And how often in this scripture does someone say, I have given you the example. It's pretty, pretty plain, pretty blunt. Um, and if, if you know me, you know that I haven't seen really any of the Marvel superhero movies. You know that I haven't followed them. The last one I saw was Iron Man 1. So that was many years ago. So here we go. <laughs> so whichever superhero you do fancy, whichever one is your favorite, most of them have one thing in common. They walk around in plain clothes all day long, and when the need arises, they rip their shirt open, and they show their Superman emblem, and they take off and they save the world with their superhuman strength. What is hidden beneath is cloaked beneath these plain clothes. Well, Jesus here does the opposite. He does the opposite of what Steve Rogers would do. He does the opposite of what Diana Prince would do, or even Clark Kent. He walks around as God with all power and all strength, but takes on the clothes of a servant, takes on the clothes of an everyday person. And he does this to show us a model of how we should live. A life of following Jesus is a calling to service. It is, it is not one for showing off superpowers, but one that calls us to make less of ourselves for the sake of others to consider others better than ourselves. What Jesus is calling us to, the Clark Kent putting back on his plain clothes. This is the way of life that Jesus calls us to live. Serving others was his identity and should be yours if you seek to follow him. And maybe you've come here today and maybe you're not a person of faith we welcome you and we're glad you're here with us and realize that talking about serving may just feel like another pep talk or even an obligation or a way to get people motivated. Even for those who are people of faith, 
requesting service may feel like manipulation to get more work out of you. You may also feel like you're doing all these things, committed to serving. I serve, 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 but I just don't have it in my heart to do it. I can tell you honestly that as an elder of this church, there are times, especially in the last two years, that I have struggled to serve, struggled with the right heart. And, and it's not because I don't want to, it's just because I feel like I have to. And there are many instances where I only do something because I've said yes. But this is not right for me, it's not right for you, and it's not right for anyone else. We shouldn't serve out of obligation. So why should we serve? What is our motivation? Why should we follow the path that my friend took in humbling herself and washing my feet? Why should we serve? Why, and why should it be a part of our daily lives? And how do we find power and strength to serve when we may feel like we only have, we are the only ones serving or nobody even notices? As we've looked at the example of Jesus, we see that he really did love until the end. And some things are clear. You're not gonna get rich serving. You may be able to spend your time working extra hours of work or on a side hustle and get ahead in life and be financially better off. But serving Jesus is not gonna be that for you. You could just sit back and imbibe a new Netflix movie or a new Netflix show and enjoy that instead of serving. You could dust off the hobbies that you've been meaning to get to for so long, or even fix up your house that you've desired to do or clean out your yard. While there isn't anything wrong with these things, if we consistently choose one or many of them over serving, we may be finding our faith lacking exercise. Jesus, Jesus ends our passage with a beatitude. Just like in Matthew, blessed are you if you know these things and do them. The knowing is that Jesus is Lord and teacher. And the doing is modeling ourselves after our mentor, Jesus, by living our lives as the one who serves others. So then what is this blessing that he tells us? The blessing is not a gift, it's not money, and it's not even a hearty thank you. You may serve day in and day out, and no one may ever even take notice. What makes a disciple go on serving is the love that Jesus has shown and his people show to each other. Simply put, Jesus served us, and we are so thankful for that service that we respond in kind. He truly did love us. He truly did love us till the end by serving us even to his own death. And if it was because of his death, which is the ultimate service, which ignites a cord of gratefulness in us. Jesus, in being born of the Virgin Mary, lived a life full of service and care for others. Theologians call this the great humiliation. Jesus took on a lesser stature, but he died and rose again. And in doing so, all that grumbling and complaining, all that avoiding of service, all that manipulation that we have felt or even have done to others comes to, an, comes to a halt and all those awful things we have done, we are forgiven and great is his love. When I was in seminary, 
for my gospels class, I want, we had to write a, a paper on Luke, and I wanted to write on Luke chapter 9, verse 51, which says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, this is Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. My goal in the paper was to say that Jesus set his face and walked to his own death, but in doing so, he stopped healing, and he lessens his service and actually continued to just prepare the disciples for his departure. The problem is I couldn't write that paper because it's not true. Jesus, on the way to his own death, stopped and healed others. He didn't say, you know, I got this other thing going on. It's a lot bigger than what you know, and it's coming down the pike. So just be wary of what's coming. He didn't say, don't you know I'm going to save the, the entire world? I'm going to die for the sin of the entire world for those who believe in me. He didn't do that either. He stopped and healed them on the way. He continued to heal. And he even cared so much that on the cross, he cared for his own mom. He said, John, he said, John this is your mother. And Mary, this is your son. Have you ever experienced such a great love as this? One who will continue to serve even to the very end. Another motivation for our service is the love that Jesus puts within us for each other. At the end of chapter 13, Jesus said to his disciples, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Jesus had anticipated the disciples following his precedence of service and this being noticed by the community around them. A life of service cultivates a love in God's people for one another and people notice it. A life deserved, devoted to service causes us and the community that we immerse ourselves in grow more and more like Jesus. When we follow the illustration and live our lives in the pattern that he set before us, we repeat the rhythms of, of servitude. It's evident in who we are. Service is a form of what theologians call sanctification, where we are renewed in the whole person and enabled more and more to live unto righteousness. John Calvin uh, said, foot washing is not salvific, but it is sanctifying. Foot washing is not salvific, but it is sanctifying. And what he alludes to here is the fact that while service cannot save you, it most definitely will adjust you to be more like Jesus. And adjust you in the same way that if you go to a chiropractor and your back is out of line and he straightens you out. Service sends you on your way with a heart that is more in line with your mentor and a spirit that is thankful for his service to you. Finally, we are motivated to a life of service because we will one day share in Christ's glory. It's hard to talk about service without talking about Philippians 2, where Paul writes, who, speaking of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count spirit did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The 20th century Dutch theologian Hermann Ritterboss also states that when what is known is done, those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord will also participate in the prospect of actual and actuality of his glory. That is, the beatitude for those in their conduct demonstrate that they are truly his disciples. Those who share in the life of service <clears throat> that Jesus exemplified will one day share in the glory that Jesus now holds. They will be motivated by the love of Jesus, that the love that Jesus has shown them and that they have received from others. And after looking at the model and motivation to serve, we are brought to the modality of service. How can we live this out today? Jesus ends the passage with, Jesus' servants are to be received as Jesus himself. If they receive you, they will receive me. And if they receive me, they receive the Father. Some practical things to do is to start small. I have a friend that I've been friends with for many years, and he desires to start this financial well-being. He desires to start this diet system, and he always says to me, go big or go home. But after two weeks, he's overwhelmed and he's exhausted. Sometimes you just have to start small. You know, sometimes you just got to take baby steps. But service is an exercise. It's an exercise in your faith. Your faith is strengthened like your muscles when you work it out and serve Jesus. And this comes through sacrificing our time and our efforts to others. Service will help you develop community. When you start serving, you'll rub shoulders with people that you don't know, or people that you may not even be familiar with. People from all different spheres of life. People that you wouldn't talk to typically on a Sunday morning, and you may make new friends. Did you happen to notice that Judas also had his feet washed? Jesus didn't stop at the 11. He kept going, he did all 12. Judas who had in, at this time, and our text is clear about this, had already decided in his heart to betray Jesus and was about to betray him that night. Jesus didn't decline his father's request for someone that made him feel uncomfortable or even someone he may not have wanted to. He even sought to serve those who were against him. Also sandwiched in this, this uh, story here or this foot washing ceremony, there's a section about Peter pushing back on Jesus. He said, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus responds, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Don't follow Peter's example here and restrict others from serving you. We are to lean upon each other as well as others and have others lean upon us. Allow others to help you, allow others to serve you. And so you may gain an unforeseen opportunity to connect with someone you may know. I had a, a good friend for three weeks in a row was asking me to drive over an hour away to help him move some furniture. And he said, can you help me again? Can you help me again? And after the, the third week, I was like, 
yeah, I can keep helping you, but this is, you know, an hour away. So this is like two, three hours on my Sunday afternoon that I'm, I'm giving for this. It's like, I'm willing to do it. It's like, but is there anybody else? He's like, well, you know, my neighbor, he offered and he has a nice big pickup truck. It would be great. We could get all one shot. And I was like, well, why didn't you ask him? He's like, well, because he's not a Christian. He's not a believer. And I was like, but here's a great opportunity. You could get to spend two hours in the car with him, you know, and you get to talk his ear off about whatever you want. In a sense, you have him trapped. Here's an opportunity for him to share and to love this man through his words by asking and being willing to be served by even somebody outside of the faith. Have your heart open. Don't think of yourself better than others, but be willing to be served. And, and if you feel overwhelmed or exhausted, maybe turning down the volume on your service is the right thing to do. There are many of us who are serving day in and day out, and we're feeling it. I had a, a friend in seminary, um, he's a pastor in Zimbabwe, and he would say to me, and I mentioned this at home group a couple weeks ago, he'd say, Derek, you could do so much more if you do so much less. Our desire is, is quality over quantity. Take time to do what is right and to do it well. Finally, and this is something you can do today, you can go to the Liberty website and you can fill out the form on the site that says, I can help. How easy is that? Somebody will be in contact with you and say, hey, you can help in this way, great. Here's a way you can serve. My friend who washed my feet so many years ago might not recall all the details of that story. She may not even remember it, but I sure do. It has served me and it still serves me to this day. It helped me to see the character of Jesus in another person when I was new to the faith. I saw someone, saw someone do something that they didn't have to. I saw someone make lesser of themselves for the sake of someone else. Now go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.